Welcome to Shas Illuminated. Please enjoy the following shear. The one, the only, the Rabbi Sunshine, special day to week. Yaakov was left alone. And an ish, which Rashi says is the Sarei Shalaisav, the Malach of Esav, was misabek. Vayeovek ishimai was misabek with him until the morning. What does vayeovek mean? What does the word vayeovek mean? So Rashi brings two pshatim. Menachem Pirish, Menachem explains, Vayis Afer Ish, the lotion of Afar. Avak means dust, Afar means dirt. Milotion Avak, Shahayumalim Afar Beraglehem, Al Yidei Na'anuam, that they would, would, they would bring up dirt with their feet by their moving around. In other words, Yaakov and the Malach were fighting. And in the fighting, they were stamping down and jumping, and like, like people do when they fight. And the offer, the dust, or the dirt on the ground, came up. Chazal even say such a lotion that he'elu that the dust went all the way up to the kisei akavay. That's Menachem's chat. Rashi says v'linira shehu lotion vayitzkasher. It's a lotion of connecting, of tying. The Lashon Aramihu, it's not a Hebrew word, Vayeovek is an Aramaic word, Lashon Aramihu. He brings the examples from Chazar, Basar de Avikuba, the Ovik Leimevak, Lashon Aniva, a Lashon of, of tying together. Shekein Derech Shnayin Shemitz Asmim Lahafil Ishes Re'ehu. This is the Derech of two people that are trying hard, one to knock down his friends. And now Rashi describes what a fight looks like. Shachoivkai, that he hugs him. The Oivkai, that he ties him down. He binds him with his arms. So Vayeovek is a lashon of connecting, of tying together, of, 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 of holding him down. He connected himself to Esav. Ad And this word is an Aramaic word. That's not good enough for us. Because the Torah was written in Lashon HaKadosh. And almost every other word in the Torah is a Lashon HaKadosh word. And in places where the Torah chooses to use other languages to explain something, that itself is a lesson. Why did the Torah choose to change its regular language and talk in a different language? Why did the Torah describe the fight between Yaakov and Esau, the Lashon Arami? we could understand why the Torah chose an Aramaic word, we probably would understand the person of what Yaakov is trying to accomplish then. What was being accomplished with that fight much, in a much clearer, much deeper way if we understood why the Torah decided, punk on that word, to switch languages. 
I want to repeat a ha'ara that I think we spoke about last year, Parshas Vayishlam. And based on that ha'ara, I'm going to repeat that ha'ara, and based on that ha'ara, I think we'll understand the pshat and this shinoi also to Aramaic. Parshas Vayishlam starts. Yaakov sends a message to Esav. I lived with Lavan, by Yehili Shar Vachamar Tzayin Ve'eved Veshifcha. I had sheep, and he describes all the animals that he had, all the, the, the Avodim that he had, and there's one important thing missing in his description of his assets. In his description, Shar, Hamar, Tzayin, Eved, Shifcha, there's one important thing missing, and that's land. Yaakov doesn't say that he bought any land. He doesn't own any land. The Rashi's argument on that. And Rashi says that Yaakov was saying as follows. Now the truth is that Rashi's really answering the more basic kasha. If you want someone to like you, and you're sending a message to someone to tell that person that, you know, please don't be angry at me. You don't send in the message, by the way, please don't be angry at me. I'm fabulously wealthy. That's not a smart way to make friends. It's not part of the message, you know. Uh, uh, um, Yaakov is telling Esau, you know, I, you're my brother and so on. And by the way, I have endless assets. Shor, Amor, Eved, Shifcha. Why does Yaakov tell Esau that he has all these things? So Rashi says that Yaakov was trying to, was trying to be madgish what he did not say. I do not have land. Why is it important that Yaakov didn't have land? Because he said, Abba Omar, my father said, my father said that I should, in the bracha, that you're so angry at me that I stole from you. You're so angry that I stole the bracha that I should have from the, from the, from the land and from the Shemayim. Look at my assets. I don't have anything from the Aris and I don't have anything from the Shemayim. So the Pashtus of the Rashi is, so the bracha wasn't this guy in anyway. What are you so angry about? You gave me, a, you, you're so angry that I stole a bracha. There's no bracha. He said, I don't have any land. Seems very strange that Yaakov would point out that Yitzchak's brother or Yitzchak's bracha was not in the sky and it's not a tremendous cover for Yitzchak. What was he trying to say? He's trying to say that the the Rebbe's bracha was not in the sky. That's a, is that what Yaakov really felt? That the bracha was not in the sky and the whole thing was a, was, was a fake? And what did it mean? So, but he got a bracha of Mital So the way to make Esav like him is by pointing out that the bracha was useless? What's the point of this? What's the point of this statement? What's he trying to tell Esav when he tells him that the bracha never came true? So to understand this, we're going to go back to the parish of Kain Zahazel. I was always intrigued by the similarity between Kain and Hevel and Esav and Yaakov. But last year I found that the Shlach Kodesh says in the Furish that the Indian of Yaakov and Esau is the same Indian as the Indian of Cain and Hevel. So there's something to examine here about the relationship of the first two twin brothers, Cain and Hevel. So, Hevel was a right Italian, Hevel was a shepherd. The Cain, Ayvid is Adam, and Cain was a farmer. Why did Hevel decide to be a shepherd? The Rashi and Pashat Barashat says that just before HaKadosh Baruch Hu had cursed the land, Adam did a chait, HaKadosh Baruch Hu said, Kais v'dardar tatsmiach l'cha, the ground is cursed. Arura ha'adama, the ground is cursed. So Hevel said, why should I spend my whole parnasa interacting and trying to grow the land that HaKadosh Baruch Hu cursed? Let me separate myself from the land and try to, at least the sheep are a step removed from the land. They're not mamish, 
Mamish, not Mamish working on the land. It's true, the sheep need the land. They have to graze from the grass that's on the land, but at least it's a step removed. I don't have to Mamish interact with the land that I cut the spiritual dirt. That was Hevel's husband. What was Cain's husband? Cain was a farmer. Cain did decide to work the land. Hevel had such a good husband to keep away from the land that Hashem cursed. Why did Cain work the land that Hashem cursed? Okay, so now until, until we grow up a little bit, when we're children, so we learn the parish of Cain and Hevel, and we have these images of Cain and Hevel. And Hevel is our tzaddik. Hevel is our zis. You know, sweet little tzaddik. Maybe he has a little white beard and he sits in the back of the Beit Medjish and he talks very quietly to everybody. He's a big tzaddik, so we understand that he would want to keep away from the land that Hashem cursed. Kayan is an evil man. He's a murderer. And we imagine a big, strong Kayan, maybe smoke coming out of his nose. We imagine this, this horrible Kayan. So we imagine that Hevel, Hevel was a tzaddik. He wanted to keep away from the land that Hashem cursed. And Kayan was a Russian. He couldn't care less. That's what we imagine. But that, that view of Cain and Hevel needs to be revised. As we get older, we have to re-examine the Parshish and Chumash and see if our pictures, if our images are right. Cain and Hevel both brought carbonates to HaKadosh Baruch Hu. Who brought the first carbon? Cain did. Whose idea was it to take this money that you make the assets, the things that you grow. The, whose idea was it to take from his, your own nechassim and to bring it as a carbon nezava to Hashem? It was Cain's idea. Hevel, the Pasuk says, the Hevel hevi gam hu. Whenever it says gam, it means that he got the idea from the first guy. Cain brought a carbon, so Hevel said, you know, that's a great idea to bring a carbon. I'm also going to bring a carbon. So whose idea was the first carbon? It was Cain's idea. Cain apparently wanted to serve Hashem. Cain wanted to be close to HaKadosh Baruch Hu. So he brought a carbon. Hevel saw that and Hevel was inspired also to serve Hashem. So now let me ask my question again. Hevel decided to keep away from the land that HaKadosh Baruch Hu cursed. Why didn't Cain make the same decision? And the answer is that there are two approaches to Avodah Hashem. HaKadosh Baruch Hu created a world that has parts of the world that are close to him and parts of the world that are further away from him. Parts of the world that are, make it easier to access him and parts of the world that it's, it's, a, it's a much tougher job to access HaKadosh Baruch Hu. Some people's role in this world is to immerse themselves completely only in Ruchnius and some people's role in this world is to try to connect with the Gashmias and to bring it back and bring it close to HaKadosh Baruch Hu. You can imagine two Talmidei Chachamim. One Talmud Chacham sits with his few Talmidim, with the few Talmidim who could understand his shir, and he sits in a base medrash, and he sits and he teaches Torah, Yoimam Velayla, and they, they reach the highest heights of Yudia, of Shas, and Pleskin, and, 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 and in Yonah Yavayda, and, and, and Hilchas Deus, and they manage, they reach the highest heights. That's one derech of Avayda. Then you have the, 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 the Rav that walks through college campuses and tries to bring people that know nothing about Yiddishkeit and tries to bring them back to Yiddishkeit. That's stooping down into the street, into the, into the physical world and trying to take something of that physical world and return it to the Rabbi Shalom. That's another way of serving HaKadosh Baruch Hu. The word Hevel means Ruchniyot. Hevel is Ruach. Gamzeh Hevel is Ruach. Hevel is Ruach, ear. The word Hevel means Ruchniyot. Hevel's job was to focus as much as possible on Ruchniyot. If HaKadosh Baruch Hu curses a land, so that means that that land is distant from HaKadosh Baruch Hu, and Hevel's not going to want to attach himself to that. Kayin's name, Kayin, comes from the word Kanisi. Kanisi ish Hashem. It's a lesson of acquisition, of Kenyan, of physical, physical Kenyanin. Cain felt that his job is Dafka to work the land and to try to take that lower, that lower part of the Bria and to bring it back up to restore its bracha. And we find very often that there's these two types of Avaida. 
Even within our own lives we have two types of avoidance. We can have l'mashal a a yom kainis, a yom kippur, where a person spends his entire day wrapped in ruchnius from beginning to end, absolute, complete ruchnius from beginning to end. Any type of human activity we don't do on yom kippur. That's one. That's one mahala. That's a hevel avoda. But then we could have a, a tzudas purim, let's say. Where there's no Isra Malacha, there's no, there's no, there's no Kiddush, it's just sitting and eating. Sitting and involved in Gashmias, but we take all that Gashmias and we bring it back up to Akadosh Baruch Or we could have even less than that, we could have, someone could have a job. Or someone could, could have an interaction with a guy in a, in a supermarket, and he's interacting with a guy, what could be more mundane than that? And he could be Makadashem Shemayim and have the guy be Makad the goddess of a Yid and bring that, bring that guy closer to HaKadosh Baruch Hu. So there's the Kayan Avoida and the Hevel Avoida. Whose Avoida is easier? In a certain sense, Hevel's Avoida is easier. It's easier not to have that conflict. It's easier not to have that struggle to try to pick up the, the, the cursed ground. And that's what Hashem told Cain. Cain brings the carbon and he did a bad job. He didn't bring the best stuff. It's hard. It's hard to serve HaKadosh Baruch Hu with the cursed ground. It's not an easy job. So HaKadosh Baruch Hu tells Cain, Lama Chayalach, why are you upset? The Lama Naflu Panacha, why has your face fallen? Halayim tasted, if you'll do good, to ace. What's to ace? The Ramban learns if you do good, you'll be bigger than Hevel. Se'es is the lashon of being lifted up. If you'll continue to be native, you'll be high, you'll be even higher than Hevel. Halayim tasted if you'll do good. Se'es you'll be lifted up. That's Cain and Hevel. Cain said no, thank you. He got up and he killed Hevel. Years later, we have a Yaakov and Esav. And Yaakov and Esau had the exact same opportunity. Yaakov was a Lamdan. Yaakov was a Talmud Chacham. He was an Ishtan Yeshev Eiholim. He sat in tents. A tent is always the muscle for a Ziras Arai. It's a muscle for, for a temporary dwelling. He wasn't Kavua in this world. He was in a different world, Yaakov. On his way to, to Lavan, he spent 14 years in Beishmed Hashem Ve'ezer. He doesn't even sleep. Fourteen years he doesn't sleep. He's completely involved in, in Yanim Ruchnim. Esau's mentality, Esau's personality, Esau's kayak. Esau was, was, was a much more physical person. Esau was an, was an ish sada, a man of the field, the Pasuk says. Do you think that Yitzchak did not realize that Esau was an ish sada? You think that Yitzchak didn't realize that Esau was a hunter? That Esau was, was out there in the world? Of course Yitzchak realized. Yitzchak Dafka paid attention to Esau because of that. Because Yitzchak felt that Esau was going to bring the Shlemus to the world. By taking the Kayach of Yaakov that's generated in the tent of Yaakov, and by sharing it with the rest of the world, that was going to bring up the entire Bria. This partnership, we discussed it yesterday just for a few minutes, this partnership between Yaakov and Esau. Could you imagine if Esau's Taka would have used the Sarkis to partner with Yaakov? Yaakov would have stayed in his oil, and Esau would have gone out and spread the word of Yaakov all over the world, being Makarov, the entire world, like Avramavinu, being Makarov, the entire world, under the flag of the Rabbi Nishalayim. But Esau, like Cain, said no. Rizka recognized that Esau said no, and Rizka sent Yaakov to steal the brachas. The brachas Yitzchak wanted to give really to Esau. Because he wanted Esau to serve Hashem with those brachas. But Esau said no. So Rizka orchestrated that those brachas should be sent to Yaakov. Yaakov has to do the job of Yaakov and Esau. Yaakov is not just Yaakov. Yaakov is Yaakov and Esau. And that's why Yaakov goes into Yitzchak and he tells Yitzchak, I'm the Esau of the Charecha, I'm Esau of Yobachar. He wasn't lying. Because he had to do the job of Yaakov and Esau. 
And he wanted to take the brother and says, I'm Esav. I'm Yaakov, but I'm also Esav. Because Esav's not being Esav, so I'm going to have to be Esav. Esav finds out about it. Esav wants to kill Yaakov. Yaakov runs away. All this time, Yaakov doesn't fully take, take upon himself the role of, of Esav. Just like Hevel didn't, didn't buy land, Yaakov doesn't have land. Just like Hevel was a royal sign, Yaakov is a royal sign. And Yaakov sends a message to Esav when he's coming back to Eretz Yisrael. Yaakov sends a message to Esav. My master Esav. My master Esav. Because if you'll, if you'll connect with me, you'll be my master. You'll be even bigger than me. And he tries to once again to connect with Esav. And that's when he tells Esav, the bracha was that I'm going to have land. I don't yet have land. So therefore what? So you still have an opportunity to connect with me and you do that part of the deal. You be the, the Oyved Adama. You take care of the land. Take a look at the Chumash when you have a minute. The first thing that Yaakov does after he meets with Esav, the very first thing Yaakov does is that he buys a piece of land. Yaakov meets with Esau, it doesn't go well. Esau does not take upon himself the job of being Yaakov's partner. The first thing that Yaakov does, by Yiken and Chelkas Asad, it bothered me for years. I'm a big fan of real estate. But it bothered me for years. What is the point? What lima do we have? What do we gain from knowing that Yaakov bought a piece of land? He bought a piece of land. Okay, so what? I'm sure that Avram, Yitzhak, and Yaakov bought dozens of pieces of land over the years. They were very wealthy landowners. But over here we needed to know that Yaakov was saying, okay, I give up on Esau. Esau is not going to play the role of Cain. I'm going to have to be Hevel and Cain. Until now I was a royal son, but now by Yiken and Chelkasasad I need to buy a piece of land. The word Bayiken is Oisios, is a Kayan. Because Yaakov had to add on the role of Kayan into his life. No longer could Yaakov just focus on Ruchnius. Now Yaakov has to focus on being Makadesh of the Gashmius, on bringing Kedusha even to the, even to the world of Chayel. We discussed yesterday that that's why Yaakov was Kaveh Chumen. That's why Yaakov had to protect his Shabbos. Because no longer was Yaakov's whole life Shabbos. Until now his whole life was, was Shabbos. Was completely involved in Ruchmias. But now he realized he has to take on the role of Shabbos and weekday. So he needed to protect his Shabbos. That's what we talked about yesterday. So let's talk about Aramaic for a minute. The beauty of Aramaic. What's the first thing that comes to mind when you tell us how tell me about Aramaic. The first thing that comes to mind is that Malachim, Chazal tell us, Malachim don't understand Lashon Arami. It says that when we say Kaddish, Yitzgadav, Yitzgadav, Shemei Rabbah, Malachim don't understand. Is there something about the brain of a Malach that he can't understand Aramaic? It's very similar to Hebrew. Do Malachim understand other languages? What does it mean that a Malach doesn't understand Aramaic? What is it about that language that Malachim don't understand? If we understand what Aramaic really is, what Lashon Arami is, we'll understand very clearly why a Malach can't understand Aramaic. The Gemara says as follows, the Gemara in Bracha says, that a person is chayav adam lahashlam parashiyosav imatzibur. A person has to be mavetedra. There's a chiyav, it's a simen in shulchan A person has to be mavetedra. Shnayim mikra ve'echa targum. Twice to go over the psukim, and once to read the targum. The targum is the Aramaic. The Aramaic translation of the psukim. And the Gemara says that this chiyav extends, and these, the words of the Gemara are, afilu atoreis v'divayim. That the, you, ha, you even have to do Mavrasedra on Atarais the Divine. What's Atarais the Divine? Atarais the Divine are names. 
They're names of places. And the Targum says, the Gemara says, telling us, that even though the Targum of Atoros is Atoros, and the Targum of Divine is Divine, you still have to do it three times. Shnaya Mikra Ve'echa Targum. Frektigra. The most obvious cash on the Gemara. Frektigra. I actually think, I think the Rishonim really asked it on the Gemara. Of all the names that are in Kamisha Chum of all the names of people or places that you have to pick, to give me an example of a word in Russian Kodesh, and the Targum is the same word, you have to pick Asaris, the divine two names of places that nobody's ever heard of? Why didn't it say, I feel, you know, there's a Pasuk, I'm going to turn to it right now. In the beginning of Pasha Shemais, I'm going to read you a Pasuk. The Pasuk reads as follows. Reuven, Shimon, Levi, Yehuda. That's a good Pasuk. To say, I feel Reuven, Shimon, Levi, Yehuda, the Targum is, you're never going to believe it, the Targum is Reuven, Shimon, Levi, Yehuda. That would have been a perfect, perfect um, Pasuk for the Gemara to pick. It's right there in Parashat Shemais. Everybody knows it. Matter of fact, there's a remnant from Avicedra there in the beginning of Shemais. Anyway, it would have been beautiful. Why did you have to pick up Atarites Vedivan? How many people in this room ever heard of Atarites Vedivan? You ever meet someone after Ben Azman and they told you they were an Atarites or Divine? Zaftagura, that it's very, very specific that Chazal chose to say Afilu Atoros with Divine. Atoros and Divine are cities in Ezra Yarden. When the Pesukim describes the Gvulim of Ezra Yarden, it says Atoros with Divine. Ezra Yarden, Eretz Yisrael is Eretz Yisrael. Ezra Yarden is not supposed to be part of Eretz Yisrael. Ezra Yardin was, was belonged to the, to the Goyim of that area. It was not supposed to be part of Eretz Yisrael. There were two Shvatim, eventually it became two and a half Shvatim, but there were two Shvatim that when they were there on Ezra Yardin, when they conquered Ezra Yardin, they looked at the land and they saw that it's really good land and they wanted it to be Makadish that land and to make it part of Eretz Yisrael. They went to Moshe Rabbeinu, they asked Moshe, could they please make this land part of Eretz Yisrael? They'll fight the war to, to conquer Eretz Yisrael anyway, they'll, go into, they'll, 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 they'll be fully involved in conquering the rest of Eretz Yisrael, but they want to leave their, their wives and their children here, and their, their nechassim here, and they'll come back and they'll settle this land as Eretz Yisrael. They wanted to add to Eretz Yisrael. And Moshe Rabbeinu discussed it as he always did with HaKadosh Baruch Hu, and HaKadosh Baruch Hu said it's a good idea, so HaKadosh Baruch Hu, so Kral Yisrael was Mekadosh Ebra Yardin and made it part of Eretz Yisrael. So now we have these two parts of Eretz Yisrael. We have real Eretz Yisrael, let's call it, and we have Ebra Yardin. Real Eretz Yisrael was always Kadosh Vekdushas Eretz Yisrael. HaKadosh Baruch Hu, that's the land HaKadosh Baruch Hu gave to Avram Avinu. Ebra Yardin, Kral Yisrael decided to make it Kadosh. It wasn't supposed to be. But Reuven God and Chathi Shevet Menashe decided they're going to make it Kaddish. Eretz Yisrael and Ebra Yardin. The place that was inherently Kaddish and the, the not Kaddish place that was made Kaddish. And then we have the two languages. Lashon Kaddish and Aramaic. Lashon Kaddish is called Lashon Kaddish because it's inherently Kaddish. It's the language that Hashem created the world with. It's Lush and Kodesh. Arami Zaktagra is not inherently a holy language. We all know that Lavan Arami spoke Arami. Yigarsa Hadusa. We know that it, it, was, it, it, was, it was the language of Aram. But Arami became Kodesh because it was used for Talmatayra, because it was used for learning. Because Chazal spoke in Aramaic when they learned. And because it was used for learning, this, this higher language, this mundane language, became the Skadesh. So Zaftagra, if I have Eretz Yisrael, which is inherently Kadesh, and I have Eber Yardin, which is like the, the weekday, the mundane land that became Kadesh, 
and I have Lashon Kodesh, which is inherently Kodesh, and I have Arami, which is the Chayr language, which became Kodesh, when I'm describing a, how to be Mavis Sedra, how to say things in Aramaic, I'm going to use the names of cities that are in Eberayardin. Eberayardin is Teret Yisrael, what Lashon Arami is to Lashon Kodesh. Perhaps that's why the word Vayayavik is in Lashon Arami. When Yaakov and Esav were fighting there, Yaakov and the star of Esav were fighting, Vayayavik, the Menachem explained that it was the Lashon of Avak, that they, they raised the dust. If you've ever seen in a dusty shul, people dancing, you see the dust rising. They raised the dust. But Rashi himself said it's the Lushan of being Niskasher, of connecting, and it's the Lushan Aramaic. That's exactly what the fight was about. Just like Aramaic is a weekday language, it's a mundane language, it's a Lushan Shalchayel, that was Niskadesh the Kedusha, that was Ace of Job. Ace of Job, the Ish Sada, would have been to take the mundane, Yaakov would be involved in Kedusha. And Esau's job was to take the mundane and to lift it up to Kedusha. But Esau wasn't doing the job anymore, so Yaakov had to take control. He had to be Miskasher. He had to tie, tie that onto his Avayda also. So the word that describes the connection between Yaakov and Esau, them binding themselves to each other, in the fight between Yaakov and Sari Shalaitov, the Vaye Aves, is in the language that describes what was going on. What was going on is that Yaakov was taking over the job of Arami. He was taking over the job of being Makadesh Vagashriyas. So Vayayavek Ishima is Dafka Belashon Arami. It couldn't be in any other language. It had to be in Lashon Arami because that was the, the whole token of what was going on over here. Since that day, since that day that Yaakov and Esau fought, our job as Kral Yisrael has been to take upon ourselves the job of Yaakov and the job of Esau. Perhaps Yisachar and Zavulim represent those two sudden. The Yisachar is the Yaakov part of it and the Zavulim is the job that Esau was supposed to have done that he relinquished. But since that day, we've taken upon ourselves both things. And the truth is, whether you're a Yisachar or a Zavulun, our obligation is to do both. Our obligation is to be involved in Rosh and to be Makadesh every area, excuse me, of our life that's Chayel. There's no such a thing in the life of a Yid as an area of his life that's not part of his Avedus Hashem. There's no such a thing that Divrei Rishuk are not part of his Avedis Hashem. The truth is that, we'll talk about it as we get closer to Hanukkah, but the truth is there's a reason that in Hilchus Hanukkah it says that the Suda Hanukkah, there's no such a thing as no kids Suda on Hanukkah. In Shulchan Aruch it says that, that if, you, if, you, if you eat a Suda on Hanukkah, it's a Suda Rishuk. But of course, the Shulchan Aruch says that you can make it a Suda Mitzvah through Shirois and Tishbachais and Divrei Taira. Why is that the surah of the Hanukkah Mesiva? That it's, it's, by every Hanukkah Mesiva, someone makes sure to say that really it's Rishuk. It's not like a Sudas Purim. Even a Sudas Purim, which is Chayel, is a Sudas Mitzvah. Really it's a Sudas Rishuk. But by saying Shiras Mitzvah, we'll make it into a Sudas Mitzvah. Because that was, that was part of the Mitzvah of what was happening there. The threat of the Yavanim wasn't just about not learning Torah. It was about placing the entire chayl of our life away, disconnecting that from the Torah. It was about taking care of my body. It was about it, all my inyanam of Parnasa, all of those things being disconnected from Kedusha. And part of the Nes of Hanukkah is not just the restoration of Torah, but showing the 
how Torah shines onto every other area of my life. How Torah shines onto the way I walk in the street. How Torah shines onto the way I do business. How Torah shines onto the way I handle myself. How Torah shines itself onto everything. I'm always misspelled, I, I apologize if I mentioned it before, I'm always misspelled that a year goes into the shower and he has a chiyuv to wash his head first. It's incredible, Shulchan Aruch follows him into the shower and tells him that when he's there in the shower cleaning himself, it's the most private of things, that there's a chiyuv for him to be machabe his rosh first, to be makir where the mishkan of his neshama is. To be, that's, that's an example of how inyanim of Kedusha shine onto inyanim of Chayel and onto inyanim of Rishuk. We forget over time, we, we, we forget how much the world is watching us. I could tell you so many stories just that happened here in Waterbury the last couple of years of how, how focused the world is on us. My wife has a co-worker that went on vacation to Florida last winter. So... She came back from vacation. Vacation was over. They come back to school. Everyone's talking about their, uh, on their vacation. So she tells my wife that she saw some Orthodox Jewish women in Florida. And she said she didn't feel like it was her place, but she wanted to teach them that they weren't, being, they weren't dressed properly. Because the, 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 the firm women that they knew over here, that the, that the Goyim knew over here, are so mocked on Sneers that she felt like she was an authority, this Shikta, to teach the firm women that she saw there, to teach them how to dress. She said, I wanted to tell them that you're not following your laws. My wife didn't mention that maybe the woman knew that and didn't care. She didn't mention that. But yeah, probably they didn't know. But the fact that people are watching, you think that from lady or that, some, that Jewish woman that was walking around in Florida, you think she knew that the guy next to her from Connecticut knew very well what a from it is and knew very well that she wasn't keeping the halacha? You think she knew that? It's unbelievable. A person who gives to himself is a man of chesed. Chazal say, that's just getting back to the merchat for a minute. Chazal say, that's Hillel Azokin. That Hillel, Hillel Azokin finishes Shir one day and he's walking out of Shir and his, his Talmudim asks him, Rebbe, where are you going? Which was, on a side point, always interesting to me that that's an appropriate question. That's interesting. I would right away be like, why do you ask? But apparently it's an appropriate question. Because Talmidim, I guess if Hillel Azakin is the Rebbe, you can be confident to ask the question. So Talmidim say, Rebbe, where are you going? So he says, he's going last day's mitzvah. He's going to do a mitzvah. So the Talmidim asks, what mitzvah are you going to do? He says, I'm going to take a bath. So they said, So Hillel says, if you've noticed, in the city, they have statues of the king. And they come every day and they wash them down. It's a big cover to keep the statues of the king looking beautiful. He says, am I not a salon of the king, a representative of HaKadosh Baruch Hu, that I have to keep myself looking a certain way? So I'm going to do a mitzvah. This wasn't Frumkite on the side of Hillel. This was Hillel living with his Yaakov and his Esau. This was Hillel living that his Inyane Kedusha when he was teaching Torah were wrapped in Kedusha and his Inyane Chor when he was taking a bath were also wrapped in Kedusha. It was also vis-a-vis and, and, and what relation it has with his Avedis Hashem. And a similar story happened. Hillel was going out and his Talmidim asked him what he's doing. He said he's going to feed his guests. Apparently this happened more than once. His Talmidim asked him, do you always have guests? And he said, well, my neshama is not a guest in my gut. He's going to eat. He's going to keep his neshama in his gut. 
But again, these are not cute stories. Hello Azakim was not a cute man. These are limudim of how a person lives that all the inyanim of his life, his eating, his, his bathing, his shopping, his parnasa, his, his talking on the phone to the representative of the cell phone company that he's trying to get a few free minutes from, no matter who they were talking about, and the who they were talking to, and no matter what they were doing, it was in a context of Kedusha that I'm doing it, that I'm doing it together with the Rabbinah Shalom. And that's the, that's the Mahala. We're leaving in Parshat Vayeshev, we're leaving Yaakov and Esav behind. That's the Mahalach of the, of the, of the Mohammed between Yaakov and Esav. It's not just about Yaakov and Esav, Yaakov, Esav hating Yaakov, but it's about Yaakov taking the job of Esav from him. The job that Esav should have done and chose not to do, Yaakov taking that on. And literally every snua that we make, and every place that we go, and every person that we interact with, we have an opportunity. Kedai sometimes, to wonder, when you have an errand to run, when you have to go somewhere, when you for, this, is, this is good, when you forgot something and you have to turn back, you forgot something, you're on your way to yeshiva and you forgot something, and it's frustrating, and you have to turn back and go back and get it. It's Kedai to tell yourself, HaKadosh Baruch who's putting me here for a reason. Why does Hashem want me here? And we may never know why, but it's Kedai to ask yourself that question. Because every place that we go, we make an impression. Every person that we talk to, we make an impression on. Every way that we act, every time we go back and we're at the cleaners, and we go back, and we go back in, and we say, you gave me the wrong amount of change, which, you don't have to do, but it's certainly for the place to say a massive Kiddush Hashem to do, if a guy makes a mistake with money. Every opportunity that we have, every interaction that we have, every time you're driving, and, and, and you have a choice of cutting someone off and that person looking and seeing that you're wearing a yarmulke or not cutting the person off is an opportunity to take on. It's not a small thing. It's not, you know, I think that we've become, it's an interesting thing, I think we've become numb to the word Kiddush Hashem. We've been hearing make a Kiddush Hashem. The problem is, the problem is that we use it, we, we use it in Chinuch just to get kids to do things. When we want people to behave, we tell them Kiddush Hashem. I think maybe we abused it. We abused the word Kiddush Hashem. It reminds me, a couple of weeks ago, a couple of weeks ago, somebody asked me about telling her daughter, she has a three-year-old daughter, she asked me about telling her daughter the appropriate way to act, or the appropriate way to dress. And she says, like, if her daughter, like, acts inappropriately by the Shabbos table, is it appropriate to tell her daughter that a princess doesn't act that way? That a Basitro doesn't act that way. And I begged her, please just tell your daughter that it's weird. Just say it's weird to act that way. Because that's really all you're busy with. That's all you're concerned about. Don't blame the tire from that young age don't blame the tire for every way you want your daughter to act in this company around her. Don't do that to her. Just say it's strange. When she gets much older, then you can start teaching her about her basi throw. I think that we do that, you know, from the time you're young, we say, we say um, be careful in the street. When you go to the Lag Ba'imer, remember that? When you go on the Lag Ba'imer, you be careful to make a Kiddush Hashem, make a Kiddush Hashem. And we don't do a good job of teaching how this is not just something that we do. For Chilul Hashem is kind of a bad thing. Kiddush Hashem is kind of a good thing. This is, this is our existence. We exist in the world as a Kalyuto. We're sent here in Gullah to the far reaches of the planet, to the United States of America, to teach the world about Akadish Baruch. This is this is not an Agav thing. This is this is who we are. This is what we are. We don't we don't it's not important enough to us. Just because Rabbi Elephant walked in, I'll mention Shabbos as a marshal. We're in a hotel for Shabbos. And there's a couple of guys that probably clean up in the hotel, I imagine. I hope so. And those guys, there's going to be some guys there. And those guys are going to clean up, maybe they'll clean up our room, but again, I hope so. 
they are going to walk away from Shabbos with an impression of Yidin for the rest of their lives. Some of them are not going to be so old. They're going to walk away with an impression of Yidin for the rest of their lives. And it's going to color the way they look at an Orthodox Jew from this Shabbos for 10, 20, 30, 40, maybe 50 years. It's going to be colored by this Shabbos. Because this is going to be, for some of them possibly, their first close encounter. Well, this hotel has had a couple of encounters. But possibly from their first close encounters, it's from Yidin. This is not a small thing. This is not an incidental thing, an agav thing. That, oh yeah, you know, the guy, the guy saw us acting up, or the guy didn't see it, or we, we were friendly to the guy, or we were polite to the guy. Like, this, that's not an aga thing, that we should not leave there with a single person. Not a single person, a Jew or a guy, not a single person should have a negative feeling about, about Yidin. Not just that, I'm going to push it even further. Rabbeim are going to be showing up. I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm using this as a muscle, but I, it's a good muscle because I'm at Alaparic right now. Rabbeim are going to be showing up with families. Our job of being the Kaddashim Shemayim in this base measure goes much, much further than the regular job of a regular Yid, if there's such a thing as a regular Yid, in being the Kaddashim Shemayim. Because there are going to be children there, there are going to be wives there, and they're not looking at you to see what's a from Yid like, because they know what's from Yid and not like. They're looking at you to see what a Yeshiva like, like. what a Bnei Torah like, what a young Tamid HaChachamim like. That's how they're looking. And it's not a small thing. It is not cool to not hear what people think of us. That is not what we came into this world for. We're here to, it, we're here to make an impression. We're here to, we're, we're, we're here to, that people should walk out awed from us. That they should never, they should, we should go places and people should just be talking after we leave for weeks and weeks to come about that impression. That's what we are. That's what Yaakov is. Okay, if you want, we could have Harasa that Esau didn't accept his job. Had Esau accepted his job, we wouldn't have to do that. But Esau didn't take the job. Now it's our job. Now it's both Yaakov and Esau have to do it. We have to do, be the Yaakov and the Esau. We have to sit here and have a second Seder and connect with HaKadosh Baruch Hu, fully Ruchni like Yaakov Avinu. And then we have to go out on Shabbos or to the gym when we go to the, the, when we go to the gym or, 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 or shopping or, or interacting with the guy that cleans the dormitory or anything like that. And we have to affect the world. And we have to transform the world. There should be no such a thing you think about it, there should be no such a thing that not from person comes through here and he doesn't leave with an identity crisis. We should give every single not from person that comes in contact with us an identity crisis. Every single not from here that walks through should walk out wondering why he's not from. That's the way it should be because that's our job. Our job is to lift up the world that way. And we're able to do it. We're in a position of power. The world is watching us. You know how quickly in today's day and age that we have the internet and some people's phones, not here of course, but on, uh, it's on pe- people's phones and everything, that, that how quickly the world wakes up when a Frumier gets into trouble. The FBI shows up at a Frumier's house, it travels, if, it was, if, if September 11th happened again, it wouldn't travel as fast as if some guy, uh, if some guy in Lakewood is arrested by the FBI. That travels much faster because the world is watching us. We're in the center of the world. That doesn't just mean that we're uncomfortably in the center of the world. That means that we have the ability to affect the world, to change the world, to make an impression on the world. And we're good at it. We were, we were created for it and we're good at it. And it's not a spirit. The Yaakov and Esau are not a spirit to each other. We'll find that when we're being Yaakov, when we're truly taking on our role of Yaakov, it flows naturally to do the Esau part. It flows naturally to reach out and to affect the world. There are people in this room who go to the gym every day, or a few times a week. Are you giving an identity crisis to the people who run the gym? Are they wondering about you? Are they wondering about you, about your, how, 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 how polite, how, how dignified, how, how, how appropriate you are? That's the job of, that's the job of Kuala Yisrael today. And it's our job. It's not something for later. It's not something that we grow towards. It's our job today. And it's something, again, that we're very capable of. And it's something that we're very good at.
who knows if a group of Yidin get together and decide amongst ourselves to re-energize our efforts in our Yaakov Avodah and in our Esav Avodah because Ani Esav Zecharecha because we've had to take on the role of Esav too who knows if we decide to do that at this time of year in the month of Kislev when we're heading towards the Hanukkah who knows what kind of powerful energy that creates in Shemayim and who knows if the Geulah Taka comes the Mehera and it should, it should come the Mehera who knows if, you know, we, we always wonder, many stories have been told about, the, about Mashiach being asked, Lamaisa, Mashiach, who brought you? And who knows, if it's, and, and it's completely plausible, that Mashiach would point to a tzibur of people that decided to re-energize themselves in their Yaakov Aveda and in their Esav Aveda, in all areas, in such a, such a, unbelievably volatile time of year, such a powerful time of year, to be able to, 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 to focus on all parts of our Aveda, who knows if we can't just, not just change ourselves, not just change the, the people around us, but possibly we can change the entire world. been listening to a shear from shasilluminated.org. For other shearim on many topics, or to hear an eon shear on any daf in shas, including Mara McClemus on each shear, please visit www.shasilluminated.org. To order CDs or for more information, please call 203-312-SHAS, that's 203-312-7427, or email info at shasilluminated.org.